You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Probably open your Bibles. I'm going to, we're going to look at a couple things first, but you can open your Bibles over to uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to get there in a minute. I think we are wrapping up our ser- little series we've been doing on prayer uh, called Pray Without Ceasing. I believe we're wrapping that up this morning. I think that next week, our hope is uh, that Justin Stewart will be with us next week to speak to us. Well, this is all falling apart. I think it's got to do with having glasses and a leash and this thing and all of this stuff. Let me just pull this up a little bit. Y'all okay? I'm not going to take my shirt off or anything. It'll be all right. Um, yeah, we're hoping Justin can make it. He's been stuck in Canada all this time. He was supposed to be here all summer. Not always here, but quite a bit of the time. He was supposed to be here. Uh, missionary around the world. Most of you know Justin. He, They apparently let him out of his cage, and he went to Switzerland uh, last week and ministered there for a while. And he's supposed to be back and supposed to cross into the U.S. on the 6th. What is that, Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday? So... Be praying about that. He asked us to pray about that, that they let him across the border. And if so, then he'll be here to speak to us uh, next weekend. He can't bring the kids with him. Uh, he didn't go into all the reasons why. He just said several stupid reasons. And that's why I love Justin. And uh, anyway, he should be, hopefully, he'll be here with us next week. And so we'll find out if I'm done with this series two weeks from today, probably. But I, I, I think we are. So I want to wrap this up by just there's so many more things we could go through, but I felt like we should wrap this up just talking about some of the model prayers that are in the scripture. Because as we read the scripture, we can see the way that different people prayed. And we'll we'll wrap this up looking at the model prayer that Jesus gave to us, of course. But I just wanted to mention just two. I mean, you can go back and you can look at the different prophets and the way that they prayed and think about their situation and and how they prayed and what they said you can you know it's there's a lot that we can learn from that but i just wanted to talk about two and uh you know when we look at these patterns we're looking at patterns we're not looking at a rigid structure for prayer even when we come to the model prayer that jesus gave us it's not a rigid structure. It's not a list of things, you know, go through this and then go through that and do it this way and do it that. It's not like that. But he gave us, there are patterns of how these people interacted with God that we can really uh, gain a lot from. And, and I think it's important to realize that, you know, always, and we've said this all throughout this time, our primary goal in prayer is to connect with God and then go wherever the Lord leads us in our prayer. And a lot of times that's interceding for other people. It's not always interceding for other people. Sometimes it gets real quiet. I mean, sometimes it becomes just worshipful. Sometimes there are lots of places to go in in your communication with God, which is what prayer is. But David, when we read through the Psalms, what I notice is he was so open and vulnerable before God. He didn't play religious games with God. He didn't pretend to be somebody he wasn't. He came before God 
And many times, not all, a lot of his, you know, all of, and Karen talks about this a lot, are in our worship and our praise, we want, we basically sing our prayers. And that's what David did. He, he sang his prayers. And so, and if you're a singer, sing your prayers. God seems to like it. Uh, but, but he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to know the Lord. He wanted to know who God was. He trusted that God would reveal that to him. And he was very open and vulnerable. And, and a lot of the time, again, not in, some of them are just pure praise and worship. But so, and always remember when you're reading David's stuff, this is old, old covenant. Okay. Not new covenant. There are some, there are some differences. I mean, sometimes he's just like, God, slaughter your enemies, you know, and, and there was a reason that all that took place as far as defending the covenant, preserving the lineage that came down to Jesus Christ. I mean, we could talk all day about the reason that things happened the way they did in the Old Testament. But, but anyway, David, what I love is so many of them, he starts out and he says, man, God, you know, that I'm surrounded by enemies. This is going on. He talks about his situation. He talks about his own feelings about his situation. He cries out to God in that situation, but he doesn't stop there. He comes back around to praising God and lifting up the name of the Lord and magnifying him, submitting himself. Some of his prayers are, are prayers of repentance. So there's just a lot in there, but he was open and vulnerable and he would bring it around to praise. The thing that probably we see most through his writings in the Psalms was praise and worship of the Lord. But it's so important for us because, and I, I go through all this because we seem to get stuck on one end or the other. Either we feel like we we have to, uh, that prayer should just be telling God how bad it is and asking him to fix it, okay? Which Which really isn't all that effective. Or it's only declaring what God wants to do and the, and the blessing. If I'm going to fall on one end, I'm going to fall on the declaration end personally. But, you know, it's okay to tell God and to get that out there and let him know. He knows anyway. He knows what's going on in our hearts. But it's good for us to get that out there. But then come back to looking at it's but God is who God is. And but God, through Jesus Christ, all the spiritual blessing is mine in Christ Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places with him. I have, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I, You know, whatever it is, you come back and you start focusing on him and you start thanking him. David did that. He didn't have all the New Testament stuff that we have. Uh, but he did that, and I and I love that about his prayers. So I think they're a good model for us in a lot of ways. Paul is the other one. Paul, you look at the life of Paul. You know, we know where he started out. First of all, I mean, he was going. He was. He had papers to go and kill Christians. I mean, that's. But but before that. He was coming up in Judaism. He was trained in the scriptures. He was headed for the top of his religious world, which was the government too, you know. He was headed for, the, he was trained by the best of the best. He had all of this knowledge of the scripture, but his understanding was, I got to go kill these Christians. And so, I mean, the, the uh, God apparently, isn't that amazing? 
I'm going to go kill your guys, God. God, I really appreciate your fervency. You're not going to go kill my guys. I have a different plan for you. But man, this guy's fervent. You know, this this guy. And And so the Lord stops him. He has this transformation. And he goes just as hard the other direction. And then he gets out there and he's, he goes to the Gentiles and he's speaking to the Gentiles. And a lot of the, a lot of the Jewish Christians still thought he was wrong for doing that. And, you know, he faced persecution from both sides. And, and he goes out there, he ends up in prison several times. He gets beaten. He has, uh, you know, there again, you read through in Second Corinthians about him being beaten with rods. That was where they, they put you up and beat the bottoms of your feet until all the bones were broken, you know, and, I mean, he went through all these horrible situations, but he all, and and then, let me continue, he talks about the burden he feels for all the churches. He went, he would go in, he was an apostle, he would go in, he would plant a church, he would raise up leadership, he would raise up pastors, and he would, and he would move on to another place, but keep relationship with them. So he had relationship, and his, he and his team, with all these different churches that were starting up all over the Greek world. And in that, we see what we see in the scripture. But I know, and you know, he was dealing with people. We see him have a, an argument and split up with, with Mark and with Barnabas. I mean, they, you know, they had these different issues. They were human beings like all the rest of us. And yet, his prayers, he speaks blessing over the people, the churches, the people that he interacted with. He lived in some of these places for a few years. You know, if you don't know, you should know. Not every relationship was perfect and pure. You know it was people interacting with people. He he made tents for a living in a lot of those places. So he dealt with people. He dealt with a boss. He dealt with all this stuff. It wasn't all pretty. And yet his heart in his prayers goes to praying over these people and blessing both his team members and the people and the churches in their community. He would just speak blessing after blessing. He prayed for spiritual perception for people, for understanding, for growth. Okay, for continual, he continually gave thanks for people that he ministered to. And he came to the defense of these people on it, both his team and these churches. To me, that he kept his heart focused on the heart of God in all of that. He had to be forgiving people, loving people, looking past their their mistakes and the things that they did. He had to be walking in that to continually pray this way. I'm just going to read you one. I, I love reading Paul's prayers throughout the in each of his epistles. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 17 from the Amplified, it says, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that over this church all the time, that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having your eyes by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. 
And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. His, his letters are like, there are no paragraphs. Which he exerted in Christ, no periods, I guess I should say. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. So he prays these kinds of things out. He's in prison. He spends the time praying all these blessings over people. Our prayers should be filled with declaring the the blessing, the goodness, the grace of God over the people we're praying for. Those that we like, those, let's say it this way, those that we love and like, and those that we love but don't like. You can all just keep straight faces and pretend, oh gee, I never, I don't have anybody like that. You should have, because you're not going to like everybody. You're not going to be best friends with everybody. But God will give you his own love for everybody. And we can pray over people we agree with and people we don't agree with. We can pray over people that have harmed us. We can pray over those people if we connect with the heart of God. And again, to me, that is the main purpose of prayers, connecting with the heart of God and then praying out what's in his heart. Amen? Okay, so, and then finally, Jesus, obviously, he demonstrated intimacy He demonstrated consistency in prayer, confidence, obviously, in his father. But, you know, he'd be out, he'd be ministering late into the night. He'd be up before dawn in the morning, out connecting and refilling with his father. He gave us uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer there in Matthew chapter 6. He gave us this prayer. It's in, obviously, several of the Gospels. Uh, not as he he said, his disciples asked him how to pray. He gave him some instruction. Then he said, pray in this way, not pray these words. Pray in this way. It's a pattern. And we're going to break it apart today. And again, I'm not giving you this as some structure that, oh, gee, every time I pray, I've got to get through all these, uh, we used to call them demarcations of prayer. But but there's a pattern in this prayer. There are a number of important issues that are brought up in this prayer. And he said, pray in this way. So we want to look at this today. We're going to break it out, look at it. We're we're going to do um, you know, we're we're gonna do the best we can with it. We don't have enough time to get real deep into it. But this prayer begins, he says, Pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven, right? Our Father who is in heaven. The first thing that always strikes me about that is here we're being taught how to pray individually, but he starts with our Father. Okay, he starts with a plural. So here we are praying to God individually, but we are seeing him as our Father. We are starting from the place of being a part of a family. We are starting from a place of being part of something that is bigger than us as individuals. That is so is such a huge part of our being involved in church, our being involved uh, with the body of Christ is realizing 
we are one part, an important part, but we are one part of something much bigger than ourselves in our lives. Our Father. I'm going to prayer to my Father, but I am going and I am approaching him as our Father. I am coming as one part of your body. And he, and he says, uh, and let me just give you a little bit more on that. So, so never forget you're part of a family. Always remember, you know, again, you're, you're part of something much bigger than yourself. Never forget you're a child of God. A lot of Christians come to God as if they're a stranger. We're not strangers. We are, we are not foreigners to the covenant. Okay, and the scripture talks about that. We are not foreigners to the covenant. We are family members and we are coming as family members. We are confident in God's love for us. We've talked about this. We've talked about this whole thing of pray from position, right? Pray from who the Lord says you are. It's really important when we come that we recognize this covenant, this blood covenant, this covenant that we live in some of us were raised to kind of think that if, if I sin, I break the covenant. I don't because the covenant is not with me. It is between the father and the son. God did this. God's pretty smart. Okay. He made the, he made the covenant unbreakable. We are in the son, but the covenant is between father and son. And so we are a part of it because we are in the sun. And so we can't, we can't do a thing to the covenant. We can participate or not participate, receive or not receive. Jesus said, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. We can crawl out if we want to, but nobody can come in between you and God and break what he's done, including when we sin. This is why when we sin, we can go and ask forgiveness and appropriate that forgiveness because we don't mess up the blood of Jesus by our behavior. We didn't get in by our behavior. We got in by faith. We don't mess it up with our behavior. So you remember, you're not a foreigner. You're not a visitor. You're not just, I'm here for a day or two. You're a child of God, our Father who's in heaven. The, the other thing I think is important here is that you don't need a go-between. Some of us were taught to pray to other people, pray to Mary, pray to a certain saint, pray to your dead aunt Susie who had a better relationship with God than you do, you think. You know, pray to these other people because we were taught, I got to be careful how I say this, because it's probably not this bad. This is probably just some of my very old resentment coming up about what I was taught. But we were taught that you can't just approach God yourself. Your sin, put Jesus on that cross and look up at the front of the church. He's still on that cross because your sin and you were so bad. And so it's like, you got to pray to somebody else. He loves his mom way more than he loves you. So pray to her. She's pretty nice. She'll go for you. Okay. And, and, but, but listen, there are a lot of people who think they have to pray to angels. There are people who think they have to pray to dead Aunt Susie. That's, that, we're not supposed to pray to the dead. Okay. We're not even supposed to talk to the dead. You have, what did Jesus tell us? Pray to the Father in my name. Okay. We go right to the Father. There's nobody else 
that's more worthy than you are. And you're not more worthy than the, keep this end too, okay? You're not more worthy than they are. We are all made worthy, not because of who we are, what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. So you don't need it. We're coming. Our Father who is in heaven. Does that make sense to you? Okay, who is in heaven? We got to move along here. Who is in heaven? That speaks of perspective. It speaks of God's. It reminds us of his it reminds us to put him in the exalted position that he actually holds. In our own thinking, we set God on high, right? He is on high. We don't take him down with our thinking, but in our thinking, we can take him down. And so this is a place, our Father who is in heaven. There's a different perspective from heaven that we can hold every day. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When that's a reality in our life, we look at life and temporary things. We just read the scripture this morning. We look at the temporary things in a totally different way. They're temporary. We're eternal. He's eternal. His blood's eternal. The covenant's eternal. The word is eternal. Right? And so we, our perspective changes when we're praying to our Father who is in heaven. Our best prayers come out of heavenly perspective. Our best prayers uh, come out of that. And and here's something I felt like the Lord spoke to me when just when I was going through this the other day. When we lift up our eyes at the beginning of our prayer, we're still in the first phrase here. Our Father who's in heaven. When we lift up our eyes to him at the very beginning of our prayer, it often dramatically shortens our prayer. It shortens it. We don't have near as much to say or need to say. We don't need to bring every problem when all of a sudden they become this big in his sight. When we start to see them from his perspective, we might be able to deal with something that was magnified. And this is where, again, I think it was David prayed, uh, be magnified in our sight, oh God. Be, we used to sing a song about it. Be magnified in our sight. And that just, I remember a time in my life where that just went off. It's not that, you know, when you look at something with a magnifying glass, you don't actually change the size of it. But in your sight, it becomes much larger. We need to magnify God in our sight. Our Father who is in heaven. Lift up the prayers at the beginning, or lift up your eyes at the beginning of your prayer. Okay? Hallowed be your name. This just means, again, it's we're still in the beginning of approaching God. It means set his name apart as holy. That's what that means. And to be holy means to be separated from all defilement. Okay, to be separated. The, the idea is, and it's the it's same with the word holy. The word saints comes from the same root. It means that your life is separated from defiling things and to God. When we talk about God being holy, it means you're the only one. You are the only one. You are you are separate and above all other things. And in that there's a reminder of authority. There's there's we're we're declaring right here his name holds the highest authority. His name is bigger than cancer. His name is bigger than COVID-19. His name is bigger than drug addiction. His name is bigger than, than, uh, than financial ruin. It's bigger than anything else that there is. Anything we might be facing in life, 
He is bigger, he is above, and he has us in his heart. What an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. So again, this is a hell of a It's a time to move into thanksgiving and worship and praise. Again, we're looking at a pattern. We're not looking at saying these words. We're looking at a pattern. So we're remembering who he is. All of this together, our Father who's in heaven, hell be your name. It reminds us of who he is, who we are in Christ. It brings us to that place. And this is a really good place to spend some time uh, in thanksgiving for what you have today. It reminds us to be good stewards of what we have today. Be thankful over what we have today. Thank God for who he is. Begin to praise him. Begin to worship him. Spend that time to really be able to get your focus on him. And I realize that, again, we don't always have time. We don't always take time. I'm going to say we don't always have time. We want to pray more often than the times that we have an hour. Okay, let's say it that way. So, uh, but but whatever this is where we need to we need to kind of live in this place the the part we've talked about so far we need to constantly be remembering who he is and this is a, just a great time to declare the authority of Jesus and the ascendancy of Jesus over anything that we might be facing okay and he went on he said your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we talk about this a lot, because this speaks of our assignment. This speaks of our role of grabbing hold of what he's done. Again, we talked earlier about being an occupation force. We're grabbing hold of what Jesus provided at the cross and and releasing it into this earth. That is the role of the church. That is who we are until the end of this age, whenever that is. This is a point of consecration to our role in the earth as God has assigned it. It is a point of consecration. Lord, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, not somebody else's kingdom, not what I have built up in my mind, Lord, but your kingdom come. This is what I'm about. This is why I'm alive in this generation. This reminds me of who I am, why I'm alive. Reminds me of my position, my assignment, all of that. Okay, It's it's a really good place to remind yourself that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Not just for me and mine, but I am here to pull it in for my neighbors. I am here to pull it in from the, for the lady I work with. I'm here to pull it in for this one and that one. Uh, th- this, is, this is the place to remind yourself. Again, Jesus is giving us a pattern of prayer. Some essential parts of prayer. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And he goes on and, he, and we begin to ask. But again, notice this. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us. It's like our Father. It's plural. Give us. Not just give me. Give us. For me, that reminds me that my blessing is so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. Not that I shouldn't enjoy any of the blessing God gives me. He is a God of more than enough. He wants to give us, you know, go back and read 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10. You know, 8 and 9. And and look at it, he says his his will is that you have more than enough in every situation so that you can be a blessing in every situation. So when I'm praying, give us today our daily bread, 
I'm praying, yeah, pour into my life, my wife's life, and the people that I love's life, but give us. I I can see it as the whole church. Give us, your family, our daily bread. Why? So that we're fed, yeah, but so and so that we can be strong and healthy, but so that we can give out to others, so that we can be a supply. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, this that clearly we we know from the teaching of Jesus. This speaks not only of physical provision; it also speaks of spiritual provision. He said, "Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of." God. So, I mean, we're also praying for the whole body to be strengthened, to be full of revelation, to be full of life, to be well-fed, to be growing in God. All of that, I think, falls under this. Let me give you more, one more idea about this uh, before we move on. In the wilderness, okay, when Israel was in the wilderness, there was that whole situation with the manna, right? They, God provided food and water, but in the man it was food, it was bread on a daily basis. And they had to go out and pick it up every day. And they couldn't go like we do and get enough for the week and then eat that for the week. They couldn't do that. It would rot. It would get full of worms. It would stink. It didn't, you couldn't do that. You had to go out and you had to trust God every day after you picked up what you had for that day, you had to trust him that he was going to do it again tomorrow. It was a huge faith lesson, the whole thing. And then when it came up to the Sabbath, you then you could get two days worth. And so you'd have enough for the Sabbath. So you didn't have to go out. So those lessons were tied together. Didn't have to go out and pick it up on the Sabbath. And it would last. But any other time you tried to pick it up, it would rot if you tried to pick up more than for that day. It was a specific lesson in faith in teaching us how to trust God today for the, for what he's for receiving and being thankful today for what he's brought and trusting that Lord you'll do it again tomorrow it's a very basic faith lesson so that was there and i think the jews that were listening to jesus heard that in this give us this day our daily bread right but when they transitioned into the promised land it changed. The manna stopped. Then that no longer happened and they had to start planting seeds and reaping harvests. And God would bless the work of their hands and bless their harvest and produce other seeds. But think about it. They still were taking a seed and putting it in the ground so they couldn't see it anymore and trusting God is going to bring a harvest out of what I just planted. That same basic faith lesson of give us this day our daily bread extends into all of the seed that we're planting with our words, with our prayers, with our activities, all the seed that goes into the ground and we can't see it until the harvest comes up. That basic faith lesson extends to believing God for harvest that we can't see when we just planted a little seed. Does that make sense to you? So so there's a, really a lot in this, this portion, this demarcation of give us this day, our daily bread, that is about faith. And it's, again, it's it's about provision for today. Another thing is that there are times in our lives 
where there are these there are these times where we are building and we are preparing and we know that we are we are planning and we are setting out on a course and God has given us a plan and that's all awesome but there are other times in our lives where it's one of those each day has enough concerns for itself moments and we have to know how to live in that to not worry about tomorrow okay cuz the bible teaches us plan and it teaches us don't worry about tomorrow Okay, and I realize the word worries in there, but still, those are kind of, to me, those are kind of two different things. Sometimes I can't plan. I don't know what's going to happen. So that at that moment, I need to be able to trust God. You'll do what I need, you know, what, what, you, what we need. You'll provide today, and I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because you're going to be there. You're faithful, right? So there, there are just, I mean, we could spend a whole week on this one phrase. There, there are a lot of, of things. I think this is also, again, a great place to give gratitude, give thanks. Uh, so let's move on. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We just talked about the, the role of forgiveness in prayer. We just talked about how important this is. Go back and get that so I don't have to teach it again today. But that issue of forgiveness, every time we pray, there's an opportunity to work through forgiveness again some more okay to work through it some more it's so so important okay and then he comes to lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil okay lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil all of the scholars fight over what this means and the reason for that is because we're going to pray jesus is teaching us to pray according to the English translation, don't lead us into temptation. Well, James 1.13 tells us God never leads us into temptation. We know God doesn't do that. So why would he have us pray that? And so there are all kinds, there, there are all kinds of ideas out there. And honestly, I can tell you, but deliver us from evil, God is a deliverer. We can see that all through the scripture. All right, so we need to hold him in that position. I don't know the correct answer. And I asked Christine, who was just here with us. She's been to Israel 13 times. She's a big uh, Jewish historian fan. I thought, Christine will know what uh, what they heard when he said, lead us not into temptation. She said, I have no idea, but I've sure prayed about it a lot. <laughs> so she was no help at all. So anyway, so let me give you a couple things though. We know that the scripture talks about two different kinds of temptation, test, and trial. All right, two different Greek words. One of them means to take something and beat the tar out of it and break it to pieces to see how much it can take. That is never used of God. It is used of the devil, okay? That kind of bringing a terrible destruction into somebody's life is never used of God in the scripture. There's another one that means to uh, soup up your truck and then take it out and see what it'll do. See what hill it'll climb. Because you put all this effort into it. You built it. You made it for a purpose. And you take it out and you test it. You put it in a situation to prove what you already know it can do. That kind of testing is used of God. Okay? So he equips us first. And then he puts us to work and says, look how great my kid is. Okay? Look how great my truck is. This is what God's into. So... The Gospels first came. You still with me? 
the gospels first came uh, in, in Aramaic. That was the language they were speaking at the time. And that was translated into Greek and translated into English, translated into Latin, translated into all these different. So here are some of the ways the Aramaic of that verse can be translated. One way that it can be translated is rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. Rescue us. I like that one because that fits with the nature of God. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I'm saying here's some stuff I found that makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, Here's another one. Do not let us. I think this really hits close. Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but illuminate the opportunities of the present moment. That do not let, that's where I, that's what I think Jesus was saying here is to pray, God, I don't want to be taken off track. I don't want to be seduced by something. It's not that you would bring me, tempt me to sin. I know you don't do that. But Lord, I'm praying, help me stay on track, not be seduced, not be deceived, not get off track. And as far as evil goes, deliver us from evil. That's my opinion. I'm stating it as my opinion. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is deliverance, there is freedom. So that's the best I can do for you on that one. Okay. Uh, And then finally, he wraps it up again with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? So we begin with focusing on the Lord. We move into this time, hallowed be your name. We praise him. We lift him up. We exalt him. We go through all these different uh, areas of prayer. And then we come around and we wrap up again with remembering who he is and declaring who he is. So it's so the so the whole model that Jesus gives us is bookended with with worship and declaring who God is. Does that make sense? So there's a ton in there. There are a lot of books you can read about this. There's a lot of teaching on this. But I think seeing this, knowing this is a model prayer. Pray this way, not pray these words, is really important. All right, let's stand up and pray together. We're going to go through all of that. No, we're not really. Father, Lord, we've we've... We've covered a lot of stuff in the last seven or eight weeks as we've looked at this, and there's so much more. Lord, we are, I confess for myself, not a great communicator. Lord, I, I need your help to communicate with you and with others better. I need it all the time. And I think we all need it. Lord, we need to be instructed in prayer and how to communicate with you and how to declare what you have for us over our communities, how to intercede for others, how to pray through moments of of commitment to things and dedication to things, all of that, Lord. Father, we need instruction in faith. All the things we've talked about, Lord, we need to grow in our prayer lives. And so I just pray, Father, this morning again for all of us that you, for the rest of our days, would continue to grow us up in prayer and turn us loose in intercession over this community and other places, other spheres of influence, Lord. Show us how to pray, what to pray, so that we could be praying those fervent and effectual prayers that make tremendous power available, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
So we are going to be dismissed. Again, if people want to hang out, I know you all brought snacks with you. Uh, want to hang out, that'd be wonderful. I really encourage you to hang out, talk to one another, love on one another. Okay? Let's say it on the count of three. You just look like you have something you don't. Okay. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.